All right, welcome aboard, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat here, however you're joining us, whether it's on the Athletic Podcast Network or on any one of the free avenues. Thank you so much. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, is my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. And today, it was a little bit of a, a recalibration because we went through the craziness of free agency last week, and we saw a bunch of signings and trying to figure out exactly how they all fit in and now it's more of a okay what exactly are they getting in all of these these different pieces and what questions kind of remain as they go forward but uh first and foremost Matthew Fairburn um today uh you just put out a piece on Stefan Diggs and in talking with a lot of his coaches that is incredibly interesting and kind of gets inside of the mind of Stefan Diggs a little bit from the people that know him best. But when when you were writing that and talking to all these different coaches, what was your biggest takeaway from from them about who or what Stefan Diggs is as compared to what maybe is out there? I think the main thing for me is that, you know, people are going to look at Stefan Diggs as a risk in terms of how he fits into the culture and, you know, the type of team player that he is and and character and all those sorts of things. And I think, I still think some of it is warranted given the distractions that he occasionally caused in Minnesota. He was fined for missing practice. He, you know, had some demonstrative um, behavior on the sidelines when he wasn't getting the football or when certain things weren't going right. But the reason I think he fits better than maybe initially meets the eye is that most of it stems from being hyper-competitive. And that's not an excuse for some of the things that he's done or, you know, it doesn't, you know, give you a free pass to do whatever you want when you just say you're competitive. But... Mm-hmm. It does make him a fit from the standpoint of this is not a guy who they're going to have to worry about putting in the work, not a guy they have to worry about whether he cares or or what type of effort they're getting from him uh, Monday through Saturday. Reading Albert Breer's uh, breakdown or, you know, uh, you know, piece on the first wave of free agency, there was a, a chunk in there about DeAndre Hopkins and the worry in Houston about how he was not really, you know, an exemplary player Monday to Saturday when he was practicing. He would, you know, he just wasn't wasn't that into it. But clearly it didn't matter. On Sundays he could bring it. But the worry in Houston was that you pay a guy like that $20 million and the rest of your locker room looks around and says, well, if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have to work, and he can make $20 million, maybe I can pull that off. And not everybody's as talented as DeAndre Hopkins and can't really pull that off. Stephon Diggs is kind of the opposite in that from the sounds of it, and you know, I talked to his position coach at the Vikings for 2017 and 2018, and he said he's that guy that on the days where maybe everybody else is dragging, he's still the tone setter. He's still the guy that's increasing the speed of your practice, not the other way around. So I think it's a matter of harnessing that in a healthy way. And I'm not saying that everything will be perfect because I think there could be some 
some natural frustration that comes from being as competitive as he is with a quarterback who is a bit of a variable right now. He, he's, you know, he's imperfect, uh, and you're going to have to deal with some frustration in that regard. But, uh, you know, the coaches I spoke to said, uh, you know, trust is a big thing for him if he trusts you. And if there are guidelines and boundaries in place, then he can work with that. And you, you deal with the occasional dust up, the occasional, um, you know, moment where, you know, things are going to spill over. But you'd rather have that than have to go the other way and pull some of that stuff out of a guy. So I think he's probably a better fit than than people think in that way, you know, off the field and things like that. Uh, and not a guy that has a tremendous amount of hobbies, it sounds like, outside of football. Football is a big deal to him. He's not somebody who's um, big into the party lifestyle or anything like that. He's never really been in trouble off the field. Um, you know, his trouble has come on the field with, you know, displays on the sideline or he got in a fight uh, in college and, you know, would occasionally mix it up in practice. But I, I think in terms of, you know, being a, a guy that stays out of trouble, that's not something you really have to worry about. And in terms of work ethic, there's not anything to worry about. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there either. Yeah. And a lot of thoughts stemming from, from all of that, the the two people that are going to love the competitive nature above all else are Brandon Bean, who, uh, you know, a few years back when he first became the GM, I remember you wrote a piece about him, about how he's just this hyper competitive guy and just about everything that he does. And, and that's, that's, kind of similar personalities there same thing goes with Sean McDermott that's it's something those three guys Diggs McDermott and Bean all share in common but to your point with how you have to how you have to manage it because you can't just always chalk things up and being a complete ass to people <laughs> and and just go you know I was just being competitive because it's like well no you, you you didn't have to do that like you can be competitive and and also keep yourself in check, keep your emotions in check a little bit. I mean, there is, there is a little bit of a, a gray area there and, and the management of, of digs and not to say he's like some prima donna. And I, I know there was a quote in there that, that said, he's not one of those guys. And, and I, I, I definitely get the sense from, from reading all those different things and, and seeing uh, how reporters that they used to cover him kind of explain him or at least what what they grew to know him as um it, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be that he's a, a prima donna guy it's just more or less someone that needs some management and the one quote from your story that that stood out to me and and you alluded to it a little bit it came from Michael Loxley who was his uh offensive coordinator at Maryland and as you pointed out in the piece, also worked with Brian Dable at Alabama when he wrote or when he said with Steph, with Steph, the biggest thing I found is that if he trusts you and you have a real relationship with him, you won't have issues with him for him when the trust is broken or if there's something that came in between it, you start seeing some of the actions that we've all witnessed out of him somewhat. And the one thing that that made me immediately think of is that trust I guess last year didn't seem like it was there between him and Kirk Cousins. And it and it takes me back to something, you know, we, we kind of touched on a little bit on the last show about Josh Allen, how he's going to be an important piece to this because that trust, if it's that huge to Diggs, he's going to have to be with, with Diggs and making sure that those two are on the same page 
And I know I brought up LaShawn McCoy last week as well because Josh Allen had a great relationship with LaShawn McCoy. And I think those two guys have different personalities, McCoy and Diggs. But I think it's kind of along the same lines. Like you want your quarterback to be invested in one of the the biggest pieces to the offense, if not the biggest piece to the offense. And so I, I think establishing that trust and continuing to build it and continuing to manage it throughout the season will, will be everything for this relationship. Yeah, for sure. It's it's something that the the quarterback piece of it is interesting because he hasn't had the best, you know, stability at quarterback over the course of his career. Mike Loxley mentioned at one point his freshman year at Maryland, they were down to their fifth string quarterback who was a, a linebacker at the start of the season. And, I remember that. <laughs> and, and so like and he still put up some numbers like he's dealt with some pretty volatile quarterback situations minnesota had uh teddy bridgewater his first year there was sam bradford case keenum and then kirk cousins and sean hill even started a game somewhere in there so he's dealt with i don't know that the frustration lies in bad quarterback play necessarily um which mm-hmm. might um uh, work in the the bill's favor in the sense that i'm not saying josh allen is a bad quarterback but if there are those moments uh, where he's imperfect and you know he's still going through some growing pains in year three i don't know that that in particular will frustrate him as much as you know he wants the football he wants to be involved all the coaches i talked to said he's very communicative in terms of expressing how he feels, expressing what he's seeing and being on the same page. And I think it sounds to me like he wants to be heard and he wants mm-hmm. to to be he wants to be seen. He wants to be heard and, and he wants he certainly wants his presence to be felt on offense. But he wants um, a little bit of that back and forth and to just know that he has that respect and that understanding. And I think I, I don't know what the relationship was like with Kirk Cousins. Like you said, on the outside, it didn't look perfect, right? It didn't mm-hmm, look like right. um, it was ideal based on some of the things we saw. But I I have faith. You can poke a lot of holes in, in Josh Allen, but I have faith in his ability to reach his teammates uh, mm-hmm. and, and earn their respect and get on the same page with those guys. And this might be a, a good situation in the sense that I think Josh Allen will go over the top to make sure that's okay, to make sure that they're on the same page, that the trust is there. There could still be the natural frustration if they're not clicking perfectly right away as you know, new quarterback-receiver tandem. But this isn't a receiver room that's full of egos. It's you know, Stephon Diggs will probably have the biggest ego in that room, and so you know, I think John Brown is fine playing a second fiddle he's done it most of his career Cole Cole Beasley same thing especially when they know and respect the fact that Stefan Diggs is that type of player so I think they can give him that little bit of extra attention they can uh, make sure that that he's getting the ball and why wouldn't you want to get him the ball right he's that type of player that you want the ball in his hands as often as possible because he scores he's you know a guy that makes people miss and runs away from people. He makes plays down the field. So there's a lot of that. And I think Josh Allen is is going to be good at getting that out of him. Um, whether it's a perfect on-field match all the time or not, 
I think it'll be a, a pretty good off the field match. I think there'll be guys that that sync with one another and and put in the work. I would guess that you know at some point here, who knows when we can all get back to normal lives and travel around and interact with other humans, but. I would guess that those are two guys that will work together in the offseason under normal circumstances Mm -hmm. uh, when things allow because they both, you know, the way they were describing Stefan in terms of how he likes to practice and the fact that football is his main hobby sounds a lot like Josh Allen. Yeah, it certainly does. And Allen is a terrific communicator with with his teammates. It seems like he has a relationship with – just about everybody in inside that locker room and and you know that that galvanizing effect that he has with his teammates um it it was especially uh, i guess it it showed really well even in his rookie season i remember you know going going across the locker room and asking people you know after his preseason games like what is it about Josh and this was before he even got put into the starting lineup I'm like what is it about Josh that that makes makes you all believe in him so much and just from basically every single position room it was just people gushing over him and and how he works at it how how good of a teammate he is how uh, how talented they believe he is i mean it's there's a there's a genuine connection between him and a lot of his teammates so i think that's going to serve him well specifically in this case and it's just a matter from there of making sure they're on the same page on the field which is easier said than done because you know with digs there is some tendencies where he's going to run some routes that will deceive even his own quarterback and they won't be on the same page in, in that capacity. But if, as long as that doesn't become too commonplace and as long as Allen continues to try and take chances and give him the, the opportunities to come down with contested catches that he's proven throughout his career to be good at, then I don't know that, that these two guys are going to have a horrific problem like if the offense just isn't going and he's and he's still targeting Stefan Diggs I don't think Diggs is going to have a a huge issue with with how things are going it's just it's just going to be chalked up go you know it's just not working out today but you know if if it becomes if it gets down to it where they're they're struggling to move the ball and the quarterback isn't looking Diggs way and he's getting himself open like what was happening in Minnesota I think that that's where a lot of the frustration might set in for the guy. So it's it's a very tricky thing. And, and all of this is based on competitiveness, fire, all of that, which are good traits mostly, but you have to make sure that those traits don't become harnessed in a bad way. And that, and that's that's why he's such a compelling case. And I, I love that there's going to be a little, we've talked about this before, I love that there's going to be a little bit of that edge back in the locker room because um, you know Cole Beasley had it a little bit last year. But I think uh, in terms of guys with an edge in the locker room, it's Jerry Hughes and Stefan Diggs, and I'm having trouble thinking of another one that's that's way over the top with it. So I think I think he'll be pretty beneficial to that locker room. Yeah, I think if there's a sport or if there's a profession in which you can get away with using your competitiveness as an excuse to, you know, maybe not have the best behavior at times it's you know sports and it's more than any probably football uh and i think 
if they're willing to take a perceived gamble on, you know, finger quotes character or whatever you want to call it, um, this is it. You know, it's a guy that's a little over the top with his competitiveness, but, you know, and, and probably needs to, you know, be a little bit at times, maybe a little bit more mature about how he handles his emotions than a guy who hangs around with the wrong crowd or is consistently in trouble off the field or is not committed to the game in the way that, you know, they like the the standard that they like to hold themselves to. This is their type of gamble in that regard because it sounds like he's a bit of a homebody, um, toys around in fashion a little bit, but other than that, has a pretty similar circle of friends as he did when, you know, he came out of high school, like, and, you know, a lot of the guys from, from back home around Maryland and doesn't, you know, try to, hasn't, you know, used his superstardom to, to, you know, create a different lifestyle for himself kind of just seems, um, to like to keep his circle tight. And yeah, he's going to be a little bit of a, he's going to have a little bit of an edge on the field. He's going to be a little bit of a handful at times, but I think they need that. I think they need somebody to set the tone on offense and command a little bit better uh, out of some of these guys. It, that not to be afraid to to get in a teammate's face and, and tell them something's not good enough, or um, you know, just raise that bar by the way that he practices, the the speed at which he practices. I, you know, and I don't want to compare these two, you know, because they're they're different, but listen to the way people talked about Antonio Brown when he finally showed up to Raiders practice. Um, if you watch hard knocks, they talk about how much faster and how much better practice was having him on the field. Now, Antonio Brown had a whole separate bucket of issues that Stefan Diggs, uh, thankfully does not have, um, at least to this point, you know, knock on wood. Um, uh, but that, Antonio Brown had that same, you know, crazy competitive work ethic on the practice field and in his training. You know, nobody ever questioned um, what type of shape he was going to be in or how committed he was going to be. Uh, and it changes practice when you have a guy that holds himself that way, that carries himself that way. And I think Stefan Diggs will have a similar impact on practice, assuming, you know, again, that we get to see training camp practices as scheduled, I'm guessing we'll notice a huge difference just because that guy's on the field because he's faster and more competitive than a lot of people that do this. And that's why he's been as productive as he's been. Yeah, more attention to detail, um, a little bit more of a a fighting chance against what's setting up to be a, a pretty good defense once again in 2020. Uh, I think all of those things will be beneficial for the Bills moving forward. But again, the the biggest question with all of this is what exactly this whole offense is going to look like, and and we'll get into some of the the sub questions with that with um, how the Bills roster looks now as compared to what it did, you know, a week and a half ago. Um, after a couple of messages from our sponsors. First, 
from DoorDash. Delivery is more than just pizza in 2020. With a selection of your favorite flavors from across the globe, you can order world cuisine from the comfort of your living room with DoorDash. DoorDash brings all of America's flavors straight to your door. The ordering is easy. All you have to do is open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 310,000 restaurant partners in 4,000 cities, so you might find a new favorite as well. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 U.S. states, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. With DoorDash, you'll never have to worry about your next meal. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of 15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BUFFALO. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BUFFALO. Don't forget that's code BUFFALO for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And next from the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Quote, go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We're afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code BILLS. That's theblacktux.com, code BILLS for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. Now, Matthew, the one area that I think... uh, is still lingering a bit with the host, the whole Stefan Diggs situation. I mean, we know how he's going to fit in the offense. He's going to be on the field a bunch, um, probably close to 100% of the time, even though he's not you know, a, a terrific run blocker or shows the best effort in run blocking. He's still just a, a threat, no matter every time he's on the field, it needs to be accounted for. I think what the area that... Uh, that I didn't think about until recently, but once considering the new CBA and everything along those lines, why it was just so critical that they did this deal uh, or acquired a talent like him this season as opposed to next year when when Josh Allen would be in the, in the final year of his rookie deal. It is so imperative that they find out this year about Josh Allen because of how the the fifth year options work out now with the new collective collective bargaining agreement. Essentially, how it used to be was the fifth year options were guaranteed only to a certain point. The teams could you they could uh, you know exercise it in in uh, the the May following the third season of the rookie deal. And then after the fourth year is done, they could choose to walk away from it if if they wanted to. But now, starting with the 2018 class, which is Josh Allen's year, 
if you exercise that option in the May following their third season, then you are committing yourself to a guaranteed amount of money for not only the fifth year, but the fourth year as well. So it, it basically locks up a bunch of your cap room right then and there. So you have to be pretty sure about the guy that you are uh, that you're investing that much money in. And because it's a quarterback for the Bills um, uh, here, that would basically have the the cap number from 2021 in this case, which would be just a shade under seven million, go up to probably 26 or 27 million dollars in 2022 which would be his 50 year option year and that is a sizable jump so they need to so that's why adding digs this year just just a huge huge deal for how they operate moving forward yeah they need to know what what they have you know i got a just did a a live q a um at the athletic and a lot of the questions were about backup quarterback and you know whether the bills needed to get better there and whether if he does you know if josh allen doesn't improve will they make a, a serious run at another quarterback next offseason but they've shown obviously throughout this offseason that their priority is setting josh allen up to succeed and not bringing in anybody who would threaten his status as the unquestioned present and future of the team at quarterback. But a lot can change in 12 months. And that's around when they'll have to make that decision on Josh Allen. And this year will determine a lot because he's got so much talent around him now um, with the addition of Stephon Diggs and the presumed development of guys like Dawson Knox and Devin Singletary in addition to John Brown and Cole Beasley, that, and again, you know, people always ask how much does he need to improve or what needs to happen? You know, what are, what numbers does he need to hit this and that? And, and it's all on a, it, it's all on a scale. It all depends on, you know, none of it happens in a vacuum. So if he, you know, usually what happens, especially I think with the trend we've seen with Josh Allen the first couple of years is I don't know if there's going to be a clear cut answer at the end of year three. Uh, there rarely are these clear cut answers one way or the other. I mean, they happen, but if you don't have that clear cut answer by the end of year two, you're probably going to be somewhere in the middle. You're going to be in the, you know, and it's not to say that Josh Allen is one of these guys or is destined to have the same results, but you're in the Blake Bortles, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, even you know Andy Dalton, although he got a second contract. But you're in that neighborhood of decision-making where the flashes have been there. He's been good enough, but maybe not unquestionably great the way that... like They're not having this conversation in Houston, in Baltimore, in Kansas City. Those guys are getting their their fifth year options, probably getting extensions before that. Josh Allen hasn't gotten to that point. He's also not at the point of Josh Rosen, for instance, where um, at this point you would say it's pretty safe to say uh, that's not a guy that will be uh, getting his fifth year option. But it's going to be an interesting decision that they have to make. And I think all... As long as they're winning and as long as the arrow is 
pointing up or that they can convince people that the arrow is pointing up, they're going to find a reason to stick with this guy. It would be a, a somewhat drastic, I think it would take something pretty obvious and fairly drastic for them to significantly alter course in that regard. But I'm not ruling out all these questions people are asking now. Hey, shouldn't they go after Cam Newton? Shouldn't they go after Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston? They probably should explore it the way the Titans did and, you know, had Ryan Tannehill to fall back on when Marcus Mariota wasn't getting the job done. But that was a year farther along mm-hmm. in Marcus Mariota's development, maybe even two years farther along. What year was he? was drafted in 2015 or 2016. Uh, no, he was 2015. Know. It was, it was yeah, James Winston. So he was really, a, you know, last he was year. He was on his fifth year option. Yeah. So he was heading into a contract year and they had to have a little bit of insurance. Josh Allen's not there yet. He's heading into year three. So it's really a year or two behind where that situation was. But I feel like most teams would be smarter to give themselves a little insurance. And they do it at almost every other position, but they don't do it at quarterback because it it creates a, you know, it puts doubt in the minds of, it projects doubt, you know, that the front office or coaching staff has doubt. And it puts that seed of doubt in the fan base possibly in the locker room and maybe most dangerously in the quarterback himself. So it's probably the one position where you see that they don't look at all these offensive linemen they've signed, uh, mm-hmm. you know, could conceivably be viewed as, you know, Darrell Williams could conceivably be viewed as a threat to Cody Ford, but nobody really cares about that. It's about getting the best out of Ford or getting the best offensive lineman on the field. It's a little bit different at quarterback, understandably so, but, the Bears would probably be, you know, if they could go back and do it over again, wish they had somebody to turn to when Mitch Trubisky wasn't playing well. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of examples of that where there's just, you know, the Jaguars probably wish they would have given themselves better insurance options and they've been scrambling ever since. So it's a fair question that a lot of people ask, but it's not, they're not at that point yet. But mm-hmm. to what you're saying, by next spring, they need to know one way or the other. And mm-hmm. even if they pick up that option, um, which is a hefty one, I wouldn't be surprised if they start to look in that direction, depending on how things go. Obviously, there's, yeah. this is off-season time, so we we speculate and we um, pontificate about what might happen. But um, you know, it was a question I got a lot today, so it was um, ties into what you're talking about. And uh, it speaks to how much is riding on this season for Josh Allen and why they wanted to, you know, upgrade the offense in a, in a big way. And I think mm-hmm. more so than any, any other single piece, maybe outside of DeAndre Hopkins going to Arizona, Stefan Diggs should have as big an impact on his new offense as, as any addition this off season. Yeah. And, and I understand why, why fans would be asking about, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, those those three guys in particular here, because, you know, it's it's a fail safe. If if you're not getting the type of production you want out of your young quarterback, because he at this point is not yet proven to the point where he is immovable from the starting lineup, then you want to have that because 
fans probably feel like they have a, they're about to see a team around that quarterback be as good as they've seen in Buffalo in in quite a while. So I, I understand their viewpoint from that perspective, but I also would argue in favor of of not surrounding or bringing in a, a a person like that into the locker room because all that it does and you know for like you said the the positions are totally different you can have competition at all of these different spots but at quarterback it invites chaos into your organization at every single level it invites it into potentially the front office where maybe there are um, two forces that are butting heads about this and it bleeds down into the coaching staff maybe the coaching staff is butting heads like maybe the the defense is, is sitting there thinking to themselves not to say that this would ever happen but let's say the defense is sitting there going well you know if we're we're playing our our butts off out there if if let's say uh, let's say Jameis Winston was our backup quarterback if Jameis was in there then heck we'd be getting touchdown production more than we would with the uh, with uh, with Josh Allen in there and then it does that from the player and coach perspective and of course the fan base would would be up in arms if the quarterback isn't getting it done so I, I almost like the approach of giving the quarterback that you believe in that can get there that that um, showed signs showed growth last year and not putting this this um this opposition and this potential chaos right there with him along those lines and give him the best possible go round about this so that way he's not always feeling this fear of looking over his shoulder and you know I know the argument is there that maybe sometimes it's a good thing but with quarterbacks it's 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 usually not a good thing so for for him I think having a solid third year where you have no excuses around. I mean, you've got the offensive pieces. They're probably going to up upgrade at least one piece of the offensive line by the time the draft is done, or at least they would try to, or at least add some some good competition to it. And then you have the all-world defense on the other side of the ball. There's no more excuses there. The offense has to improve under Josh Allen's direction. And, you know, I, I just, I think they owe it to themselves to really find out by giving him the whole season. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. At least they knew they gave it a, a big shot. But giving giving him, you know, let's say first seven games go and they end up two and five and or three and four and fans getting frustrated, maybe inside the locker room getting a little bit frustrated, all that really builds up and it's not a healthy situation to be in. Um, when when you have a quarterback potentially looking over his shoulder, seeing that there's another guy waiting in the wings there, it's too early. I think is yeah, what it comes the timeline's off. It's too early to you know think about bringing Cam Newton into this locker room. And it would be a mess. <laughs> it you know how many how soon you know how far into even training camp would it take before. Some guys in the room were like, man, I want, I want Cam in there. Yes. You know, and it's not even an indictment on Josh Allen. Cam Newton is, you know, a former MVP. He's a guy that, um, you know, just has a very infectious personality that, that has a way of 
getting people to follow him. Not really the ideal backup quarterback. Jameis Winston, to a lesser degree, but again, a guy that has the pedigree uh, of being a, a high draft pick, a guy that's thrown a ton of touchdowns, a lot of interceptions, <laughs> but a ton of touchdowns, and made guys like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans really productive players. Even though he hasn't been a winning quarterback, there are guys that would look at that and say, oh, man, may, maybe this guy should be in there. There's fans that would start to say that, and it's just too early to get to that point. You owe it mm-hmm. to – it's not like – you know, Madden or something else where you can just remove all of the human elements and just say, well, the best thing to do is to have the best option in case Josh Allen gets hurt or doesn't perform well. It's hard to do that in this this situation because you're also prioritizing the development of the quarterback that you invested so much in. And it's probably not best for the development to have somebody who could project any doubt at Mm -hmm. any level of the organization from the fan base, front office, coaching staff, other players in the locker room, or even in, in the quarterback, because I think that would hinder him too much. And at some point you get to a point where you say, this guy needs competition. This guy needs mm-hmm. somebody else because the rest of the team, it, we owe it to the rest of the team, right? You know, to say, yeah, let's bring in a, a Cam Newton or an Andy Dalton or a, you know, Jameis Winston or whoever it may be. But you do that now and you're just confusing people uh, mm-hmm. in the building about where you stand on the guy under center. And, that's not the way they've built this thing. And Brandon Bean came out and said it when we had him on the Tim Graham show after the season because I asked him if he would sign or what he thought about the idea of signing a Ryan Tannehill-like backup the way Tennessee did to have insurance when Mariota didn't pan out. And, you know, he said he didn't want if, – if they did that, it would be – suggest that they had doubts and they don't have any doubts and they want to invest all their energy and all their resources into making sure Josh Allen develops into the quarterback that they want him to be. And they, that he has no doubts that that'll happen and that he'll be the quarterback next year and for many years to come. And for now that's the healthiest attitude to have. And a year from now that could very much change, but Mm -hmm. especially if they don't pick up the fifth year option and depending on how he plays, but for now, I just don't think it does a tremendous amount of good because people need to know who they're looking to. They need to know who the leader is. Um, we talked about all that stuff with Stefan Diggs. You know, how's he going to feel if, how's he going to know who to trust and who to have that relationship with if Cam Newton and Josh Allen are in the locker room or even Andy Dalton to a certain extent? Andy Dalton would probably be a better fit because yeah. he's Agreed. a veteran. He's a not that he doesn't want the starting job, but I think could transition to that stage of his career. Uh, I don't think Cam Newton's ready to transition to that stage of his career. Uh, Cam Newton has a much bigger personality than Andy Dalton. So I think, you know, somebody like Dalton would make some more sense, but they've also, you know, they like Barkley. They'd have to give up some assets for Dalton. Uh, So I, I think they're fairly comfortable with 
the backup quarterback situation. Not to say that they 100% should be or that the people asking the question are out of line, but I think they're more likely to grab a developmental quarterback, you know, in the draft at some point and, you know, take their chances there than they would be to uh, get anybody that would provide any sort of competition or insurance because they're not allowing that to enter into their thought process just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to back their way into competition for Matt Barkley, as opposed to the alternative, which would be, you know, it, it, it could be detrimental, but I think the, the word I used before was perfect. It could be chaotic and, and you don't, you don't want to invite that on a team that has aspirations to not only win the division, but win playoff game or two or three you know they, they they're they're looking right to the top for where they want this thing to go side note i am honestly just enthralled about where cam newton is going to end up b- before the season i i cannot wait to see that uh and and how it unfolds but back back to the yeah, somebody uh, asked me that as well and oh i'm i'm interested in two things one if he has anything left i'm not convinced yeah. that he does right. um but if he does, there are so many places that would be so interesting. L.A. Mm-hmm. Chargers. Oh, although you can. Oh, I was thinking the Rams. That, you can make the case that the Rams uh, need a need a bit of an upgrade at quarterback, but that's another story. Chicago, yeah. although they already went in on uh, Nick Foles. Foles. Yeah. Um, Miami has been brought up, which would be uh, pretty interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. For uh, I'm assuming they're going to draft a quarterback, but. Uh, and I don't think they'll go the Cam Newton route, but that might make a suddenly somewhat talented roster into a bit of a contender. And could I mean, you imagine? Uh, could you imagine Doug Marone and uh, Cam that, Newton coexisting? A, the Jaguars is another interesting one that a few people have brought up. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. They've got to be in kind of a desperate spot at this point in Jacksonville. Oh God, Somehow yeah. <laughs> still employed, you know, Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone, but. The one that keeps sticking in in the back of my head, and it probably won't happen, is New England. But yeah, it would be really interesting to see him on the Patriots and and what he might do. But I think it's it could potentially alter this season whenever he does pick pick a landing spot. Uh, I think the Broncos, some people have brought up, but they seem pretty invested in Drew Locke. I don't know. What about the Giants? Yeah, again, they've got a young quarterback. Do they want to invite that into their right. their situation? The Raiders, right. although they just signed Marcus Mariota, I don't know. Washington if would... has been brought up as well because of the Rivera connection. There's a lot of spots, and yeah. you know, when a former MVP is available for presumably not that much money, mm-hmm. you would think he would have a bigger market. But the injury factor means you know teams aren't going to be. They're not in a rush, you know. They yeah. want to get their doctors looking at him and, and things like that. So, I don't know. I'm 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 excited to see where he ends up. And same goes for Jameis Winston if he gets a shot to get back on the field because yeah, ton of talent. Hasn't put it all together, but still a an intriguing guy. It's a weird quarterback market this mm-hmm. off season, and the pieces haven't all fallen into place yet. Yeah. Well. Case case in point, I, we we went off on a Newton tangent there, but case in point is that Josh Allen is at the Mitchell Trubisky fork in the road season, 
because it's either going to go one way or it's not. Because I, I don't believe that the Bears have picked up that fifth-year option on Trubisky just yet. And even they have, <laughs> because he was drafted in 17, even they have the option to, to get out from it in that fifth year. But I still don't believe that they've picked it up, which says basically all you need to know about uh, about their feelings on the guy, at least at this point. Um, but, there, but the timeline is not matching up with adding a competition like that. So it's it's Josh Allen or bust in, in 2020. Uh, the Bills are feeling that way, and they believe in him. It's not like they're they're just crossing their fingers and, and going, gosh, I hope this works out. They believe that it can work out, and they, they probably believe that it will work out because everyone seems to be pretty sure about Josh Allen over there. But, you know, there, there are some dissenting beliefs outside of Orchard Park about whether or not he'll he can be the guy long term so that's one of many questions um still lingering over this uh this Bills roster and and we'll get into some more of them as uh as the build up towards the draft kind of comes along if you wanted to take a peek right now over at the athletic I've got the uh the 10 burning questions about the bills after their first week of free agency where they addressed a bunch of needs uh you can find that right now and and oh by the way um the athletic running something pretty cool right now you know tournaments have been canceled leagues are suspended there hasn't been a live game on tv in what feels like a year even though it's barely been more than a week there's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than to take them away completely but the athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there and in these very strange very uncertain times they're still hard at work doing excellent reporting and telling unique engaging informative stories like one about how minor league baseball players are getting financial support from their big league counterparts or how the situation between Todd Gurley and the Rams was beyond repair or how Brazilian soccer legend Ronaldinho is in a Paraguayan jail right now which is mind-blowing to me after playing with him on 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 fifa for all those years and you can also find all the stuff from myself matthew fairburn tim graham john vogel joe yurden Lindsay darcangelo it's during times like this that the athletic can help keep you connected to the teams the athletes and the sports you love sign up now for a 90 day free trial to see for yourself the creativity reporting and storytelling that sets the athletic apart just go to theathletic.com slash the buffalo beat for a 90-day free trial. So if you've been on the fence about signing up and subscribing to The Athletic, now's the time to see what's beyond, what's behind the curtain. Games aren't being played right now, but the stories that draw us all to sports, those don't go away. So go to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat, and we hope to see you there. All right, Matthew Fairburn, any uh, any final words for our loyal listeners before we, we bid them adieu, a sign-off, if you will? I will sign off with this. I have started to play for the first time in many years uh, Madden on the oh internet boy. Uh, against other humans. And I got so thoroughly owned by some guy playing as the Vikings. And Stefan Diggs scored like three touchdowns in the first quarter. And then Madden offered me the opp- opportunity to depart gracefully with what was left of my manhood. And I took it. Um, so, you know, that was my, uh, I haven't played with Stefan Diggs on Madden, but my early scouting report is that he will be quite fun for, for Bills fans to play with on next year's version of the game. Yeah. He good. What, uh, what has been your favorite show that you've gotten into since the, uh, 
since since the quarantining has begun? I haven't done that many shows. I did. Okay. I'm trying to get back into Westworld because I only watched season one and I'm behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife and I just started Designated Survivor, which is pretty good. Never watched okay. it before. It was on a long time ago. But I haven't. I'm trying to think. I haven't really. I've had trouble getting into some shows. I've been doing some documentaries is what oh, I've been doing. Oh, well, hey, that, uh, that works. I mean, uh, it, it all falls under the same bucket, I think. I did point. McMillions was, was Ooh, fun. Um, okay. The one on the okay. McDonald's scandal. And then there was one, um, I love you now die on um, that girl who was texting her boyfriend to kill himself. And he killed himself in Massachusetts, uh, which right. was a pretty, uh, McMillions was a little more lighthearted, put it yeah. that way. That one, the other one was a little more, uh, a little more chilling, not, not recommended before bed. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. Um, I started, and if you watch this, let me know. I started the Witcher almost through the entire first season and it is, my cousin really likes that. It is recommending it. Fantastic. It is so good. It is so well done. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, all of the episodes. Uh, and it's just uh, how the storylines are interwoven it's it's uh I'm, I'm big into it and it's it's kind of it's not the same but uh it's filling my my throne's needs at the point at this point that's what my cousin described it the same way which i've never been into any of those types of shows other than thrones but maybe that means i haven't given them a good enough chance considering how much i enjoyed game of thrones yeah so it, it that uh, that's highly recommended from me all right. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat. We hope uh, you're all staying safe out there. And uh, we we wish you all the health in the world to you and your loved ones and all of that good stuff as we all go through this, this uh, crazy time together. All right. Uh, thanks for listening here to The Buffalo Beat. And we will talk to you next week with uh, some draft talk, which I'm very excited to get into. All right, guys. Talk to you then. See you.